This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com. In today's dynamic retail landscape, tracking openings and closings before they take place has never been more important. Having this intelligence is an undeniable competitive advantage. RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com, also known as ROCK, tracks future openings and future closings. Comprehensive, accurate, and reliable, the ROCK is your crystal ball and the key to making well-informed decisions with confidence in today's evolving retail climate. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm excited. We have Connor Bevins and Adam Greenberg on. Connor has been with Lidl for six and a half years as a senior director of real estate. Adam Greenberg has been with DLC for nine and a half years. He is our vice president of leasing. We have recently completed at DLC our second deal with Lidl. Uh, Both deals were done between Adam and Connor. And Lidl is an exciting uh, retailer these days. They're a grocery chain that has been opening stores in the United States. And we are excited to be a partner with them. And I'm excited for you all to hear this story about Frederick, Maryland. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. Adam, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about you, who you are for the listeners who don't know? Yeah, so I'm Adam Greenberg, Vice President of Leasing at DLC Management based in Bethesda, Maryland, one of our satellite offices. Uh, I've been with DLC for about nine and a half years, started my career on the retailer side, actually uh, doing similar uh, work to what Connor does. I worked for two national retailers, handling their uh, rollout in various states throughout the country. Uh, ultimately, uh, became really interested in the landlord side of the business and uh, decided to, to try making a pivot over to that. Joined DLC uh, back in 2011 and have, have never looked back. Started as a uh, leasing rep and have uh, generally worked my way up through the the company to now lead a team and oversee a large portion of our portfolio. Awesome. Connor, you're up. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm Connor Bevins. I'm our senior director of real estate for uh, for Lidl. My uh, areas primarily cover right now is uh, Virginia, D.C., and Maryland. As you mentioned before, six and a half years with the uh, with the organization. Uh, so originally, when I actually started with uh, with Lidl, I was an acquisition manager. Uh, we weren't called Lidl at the time; we were called MGP Retail Consulting, and uh, we were uh, very secretive in our uh, our beginning stages. I was actually I'm now uh, third longest tenured employee with the uh, with the company, so I've uh, seen a lot of growth with it. Uh, we wanted to be MGP Retail just because we wanted to sort of help build up our initial rollout and uh, the uh, in the company. My uh, original primary area of focus was in Baltimore. Um, so I was our acquisition manager for that area, got several of those deals done and have uh, further grown with the organization. I helped build the uh, original stores down in central and southern Virginia. So a lot of the stores you see in uh, Richmond and the Hampton Roads areas I had been uh, been involved in. And then since then, grown to cover the whole uh, the whole mid-Atlantic. Um, so it's been quite a uh, quite a growth with the uh, with the company. We are a company with very high ambitions and a lot of uh, 
you know, growth potential. We, as you mentioned, we have, uh, you know, we have over a hundred stores now and, uh, Actually, tomorrow uh, we're opening, uh, or tomorrow being Wednesday, we have uh, four stores opening, uh, including one in my area in Fairfax, Virginia. So we have more, uh, you know, more ambitious plans to continue, uh, continue moving forward. And it's been, you know, incredible experience to be, to be part of that with Lidl. That's unbelievable. It's a, it's a great story, a great pivot. Uh, and a, it, it's an unbelievable story. You guys are both based in the Mid-Atlantic. The two deals you guys have done have been in the Mid-Atlantic. And, you know, there's no doubt the state of the world has been, you know, perplexing and challenging for some. And uh, what's it like down where you guys are and what's going on in retail and real estate? And you guys can take that and answer it any way you want. Adam, you can go first. I'll let you go, I'll let you go first. <laughs> So I would say we're extremely fortunate to be uh, in the area where we are. Washington, D.C., Baltimore, the Mid-Atlantic is such a dynamic, uh, such a dynamic market with so many different drivers of the economy. When the rest of the country was in the Great Recession, uh, a lot of money was being spent in D.C. and that really propped up the market. Um, and in general, we're, we're just really fortunate to have a healthy market that can withstand a lot of downturns that uh, other markets that are tied to one specific industry uh, cannot. Everyone thinks the U.S. government, uh, and obviously that is a huge driver of everything that goes on in D.C., but there is so much that surrounds that and so many other uh, sectors that have grown here that uh, we're just extremely fortunate to have a, a really strong market here. I work in other parts of the country as well, and uh, often can see those distinctions. That being said, you know, currently uh, COVID-19 is impacting everybody. We're certainly seeing uh, a lot of challenges associated with that. But even in that context, uh, I, I think that we are seeing uh, DC continuing to show its resiliency through the pandemic. Yeah, I generally echo a lot of what uh, what Adam's saying. I think uh, from a from a grocery side, what uh, one of the most interesting things about being in this area is the amount of competition that's in the market. Uh, Lidl in itself, we we see a lot of new competitors, not just ourselves, who are pulling into uh, or moving into the market because they see a lot of these growth trends and the uh, strong underlying fundamentals of the DC market, uh, which makes it a, a really unique place to to work in uh, as opposed to a lot of other parts of the. Uh, parts of the country. Um, but in general, what we also see is, you know, not only competition for the, for actual customers, competition for spaces as well. And I'm sure Adam sees it on the, on the leasing side is that, you know, when you have spaces rarely come available, there's usually a lot of competition for uh, a lot of different uh, users who want to be able to expand into those markets. So from, from that side, the, uh, it is a, uh, there's a, a lot of competition um, for, for us as trying to, trying to expand. Um, so I think that from that standpoint, it's a uh, it's an interesting market to work out of. And I have, as I mentioned earlier, worked in some of the other markets in uh, Virginia where you don't see that same type of uh, competition. So that's why I enjoy the the challenge of working in this uh, working in this market. I'm um, pivoting to the yeah as well to the COVID side. What I found the most interesting is the uh, kind of the the switch from working from home and working through the construction side of the uh, of the business and working with the counties on how to ensure. From our side, that uh, our our sites are safe um, for our for our construction workers, and uh, but also how there a lot of the places are willing to go to virtual inspections, going to that, um, being able to make sure that your projects can continue to uh, to move forward on the timeframes that you want, and they are a lot more uh, 
I'm surprised at how willing they were to work with us uh, to be able to make sure that uh, we're able to get our stores open for the customers, because obviously during this time period, it's difficult uh, for a lot of people. Some people have lost their jobs, but they've been able to uh, find a way to work with us um, and, uh, and not against us to be able to make sure that we have been able to get our stores uh, open. Um, so I think uh, I really appreciate working in a market like this, that they have uh, used these opportunities to work within the 21st century frameworks, which in a lot of places, I'm sure other retailers have said that you know, their sites have been shut down, they have been slowed down. Um, so I think that also from, from our side is one of the more unique things that, uh, that you see. Yeah, that's a great point. I've been on virtual meetings with, you know, for permits and for, you know, entitlements and things like that and approvals and zoning. And, um, you know, there was this concern that those were all going to get slowed down. And, you know, to some extent they have, but the virtual nature of it has been moving things along uh, unexpectedly, which has been, you know, really great to see municipalities pivot to that. So that, that, that's a good call out. Um, you know, the last thing, you know, and you're, you're both in it, what's going on in the grocery sector right now? What's, what's happening? There's, you know, headline news in general, I would say has been very positive on the grocery sector. It's been, you know, increasing sales and increase in innovation. Those have been like the two biggest headlines that I've seen. And what are you both seeing on that front? You know, and I'll start with you, Adam. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that certainly, as Connor mentioned, in the the DC market, you have uh, there there are a lot of players in the market. Uh, a lot of the legacy players are still, um, you know, very strong. But there's been uh, as long as I've lived here, and I've lived in DC for over ten years, there's been just a constant stream of new entrants to the market and and new growth. Uh, and I think that's really forced uh, the, the retailers to be able to compete in such a competitive space uh, to innovate. And, you know, as a consumer, obviously, uh, we're, we're seeing it on a daily basis with uh, online ordering, uh, buy online, pick up in store, curbside pickup. Uh, I think, obviously, that's been further accelerated by the, the current pandemic. Uh, and and people have uh, sort of relied on that. And I think it's only going to accelerate uh, the innovation that uh, groups like Connors are going to come up with. And I'm I'm really excited to see uh, how this their their industry continues to evolve. Yeah, I, I definitely echo a lot of your a lot of your statements there. And I think from from our side, how I see it was specifically within the framework of of Lidl, uh, where I think that we have provided a lot of you know, pressure in the in the market is on is on pricing. Um, you know, I think that as you're saying, grocery sales are uh, are going up, uh, especially during um, during this time period. But at the same time, what we what we provide in the in the market is a lot of uh, pressure on the pricing. We just recently actually had a study come out about us done by uh, UNC's uh, business school about uh, the pricing pressure that we put on our competitors when we enter a market. It specifically looked at us for uh, on Long Island, but I think that it echoes in, in general is that the more competition is actually is really benefiting uh, the customer uh, because you have people who come in with quality products like we do. And that's what our goal is to have the highest quality products, the, the best prices. Uh, so that, that is also an area where you continue to see the, uh, the benefits passed along to the, uh, to the consumers. Um, from an innovation side, I definitely see, you see more and more, you see the push on, and I think you guys have talked about it on several uh, podcasts, the, the push for delivery, uh, the push for all the work on that, on that side and bringing that industry in. It's a, uh, it's something that, I mean, pretty much every every grocer is uh, is looking at. Um, so I think those are kind of the major things that I see, both from an internal and also an, an external perspective. 
And I think just to add on to, you know, Connor's point on, on pricing pressure that they bring, I think, um, you know, it's, it's an important thing to us at DLC to, to really understand our, our tenants' businesses. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, whether uh, a tenant report sales or you just have anecdotal feedback that, yeah, this is a really busy store, they must be doing a lot of volume, that uh, doesn't always translate into profit, profitability. So uh, one thing I think with grocers, uh, you know, really with all retailers, but, but grocers especially, having those conversations, you know, we're partners with our tenants, with, you know, we want to make sure that they're thriving and, and we can't just assume because their store is busy, they're thriving. Uh, it's really important for us as uh, retail shopping center owners to understand the landscape and, and understand those types of things because high volume doesn't always translate into high profitability, especially in the grocery business. Yeah, definitely uh, low margin. Uh, one of the things, though, that I that's important in in a lot of our centers we try to create is this value proposition for the consumer, and a lot of our tenant mixes do do that. And you know, excited to partner with someone like Lidl who is providing extreme value to the consumer. That that was some great insights, guys, on the state of the market. I, I want to pivot to the story because we recently signed a deal in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, there's uh, under construction now and wanted to kind of talk to you guys about that and, and tell us the, the story behind that. And, you know, Connor, I'll start with you on kind of how you see how that kind of started and evolved. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's one of the deals that, it, that comes through working with relationships. So as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast with, uh, our, our deal over at uh, Oxen Hill. That was kind of the, the genesis of things uh, things starting. So to give you background from Lidl in general, we, we've targeted Frederick as a market for uh, for a while, and we actually had owned a piece of property there and uh, decided we didn't want to we didn't want to build it at that time. And um, there was very few sites that I that I really loved in the uh, in the area, but we had uh, we'd actually looked at the site years uh, years ago with, when they had a previous ownership um, there, and I thought you know this would be a great uh, great spot. And it came up when we were at ICSC last year uh, that you guys uh, you know pulled me aside and said, "Hey, Connor, we're looking at a site and uh, site in Frederick." And all I was thinking is, "Well, this could be a very quick conversation because there's only a couple <laughs> that I would uh, that I would consider uh, consider doing." And then you guys pulled up the, the the Kmart location and thought immediately, "Yeah, this is the this is the site. This is a site that's a really strong uh, that has a, gives us a really strong chance and a really strong presence in the uh, in the market." Uh, and then from there, we had you know really to start. Uh, we started moving actually quite quite quickly, which is what I appreciate with working on stuff on on the side with you guys is that you're very quick and and uh, process oriented and how to get to uh, you know how we need to outfit a center and get get everything um, together. Um, so yeah, it but it all started uh, basically at ICSC last uh, last year. Awesome. Go for it, Adam. Yeah, no, I was just saying. I think yeah, I mean, Connor really summed it up well. I think. You know, the, the Oxen Hill deal kind of gave us the opportunity to get to know each other, uh, work together on a deal. We worked really well together through that, uh, which was a, real, a, a complex transaction. Um, but I think, uh, you know, we really got to understand each other's priorities and, uh, you know, we're very efficient in figuring that one out. Um, and uh, so, so, I, you know, we were meeting to talk about that. ICSC in Vegas last year. Uh, at the time, we had just gone under contract to purchase uh, the shopping center in Frederick. So uh, it, it was interesting at the time, Kmart was still open and operating. Uh, they still had term on their lease. They had not indicated that they were going to close yet. Um, and, you know, we were under contract. So 
we took advantage of the opportunity. We were under contract, sitting down with Connor and uh, brought up the site. And, and as he mentioned, you know, clearly he was familiar with the site, had interest in it. And, uh, you know, we wanted to try to figure out a way to make something happen with them. Uh, we, we certainly were excited about the idea of having a grocer in the center, which uh, the center uh, didn't previously have one. Uh, we thought that that would bring a, uh, you know, needed service to the community, uh, would uh, generate daily traffic into the center uh, and, and really kind of make Frederick County Square part of uh, the local residents' daily routines. Uh, and additionally, we're really excited about uh, Lidl and uh, the way that they do the grocery business, the excitement that they bring uh, new to market. And we thought it could be a great fit for us there. So you guys both mentioned something that I find interesting, which is, and if I unpack it, that the first deal really helped the relationship and helped get to the second deal. And you hear that a lot in business where, you know, once you get one done, it's really that creates the framework for the rest. And I I guess the question is, do you think that the Frederick deal would have been a lot more challenging had you guys not worked on and built a relationship on the first deal in Oxon Hill. I do. Yeah. I think it, I think it is, uh, it is helpful because I think it also helps if you understand what the tenant for us on our side, what we want, I think it helps then out be able to help create what the rest of your center will look like. You understand from having discussions about co uh, co-tenancy issues out of, out of, uh, the Oxon Hill location. What do we want? Uh, what tenants work for us? What tenants don't work for us? What tenants do you guys want which, versus what we want? I think that helps clean up a lot of those uh, issues where there ends up a lot of times during the first deal, having a lot of time spent uh, having those discussions about some you know, minutia that I'm sure would, any lay person would say, why in the world are you guys talking about uh, all these things? But it's important to understand, okay, this is where Connor's coming from. This is how, how these potential co-tenants would positively or negatively impact uh, impact our business. So I think it really does help get, uh, you know, get the tenor of what's, uh, of the, the, the priorities, um, on the, on the legal side, but then also what sizing do we want? You know, even having that side. So, you know, Adam knows, okay, in Oxon Hill, we, they're, we're looking at a bigger space there and we're subdividing it out. Okay. Even before having a conversation with me, he knows this is what Lidl wants. I know if I can say, Connor, give me 28,000, 29,000 square feet at this Frederick location, I can already start be thinking two steps ahead as well for the, my other tenants to be able to help quickly move through that side of it um, as well with your other existing tenant rosters. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it, it's, it's twofold. I think one is on the relationship side uh, and, and just personally, um, you know, getting to know Connor and understand how he works and understand that it's okay that I can text him at 1030 at night and he's <laughs> going to probably text me right back. Um, and, uh, you know, building that rapport absolutely helps uh, tremendously. And, to, you know, as, as he mentioned, just on the, the specific deal site, understanding who Lidl is, what their priorities are, the type of space that they're looking for, the type of demographic they're looking for. It's just having that foundation, I think, uh, certainly put us a, a step ahead in the process on Frederick and made that go, uh, you know, quickly and as smoothly as as possible, which uh, I think is also an interesting part of the story. Yeah. And, you know, going back a little bit and unpacking, you know, Connor, you you had mentioned that it stemmed from an in-person meeting, you know, in the the 
hopefully one day we're going to get back to having more in-person meetings today. We're, we're not doing uh, a ton of those. Have, have either of you seen challenges because of the lack of in-person meetings? Is there, or is the virtual nature of it solved it? Or at one point, do we need to get back to in-person meetings? Yeah. I mean, I think the virtual nature of stuff, it, it solves several issues. It's still, you still don't have that same in-person connection. And I think that uh, there are times with dealing with various people that uh, some people get a little bit more hot on the virtual as opposed to when you're actually having a conversation um, in person. But I, am, I was very skeptical initially of how uh, well things could, could work. Um, but I've definitely become a convert to show that uh, their work can be done. You can still have these, uh, still have these meetings. But there still is something that cannot be replaced is actually getting out to the site. Uh, being able to be t still being able to tour the spaces, still being able to get into the real nitty gritty of the uh, of the site is still necessary, uh, and that uh, and that is and actually having that uh, those follow up in person still needs to uh, still needs to happen, but it needs to be done safely. Um, but overall, I still think that uh, a lot of the work can be done uh, can be done virtually. Yeah, it's hard to quantify feel, right? You, you, right, because you mentioned one of the things that hit home is like. Adam pulled you aside and said, Hey, I might have an opportunity for you. Right. That's, it's hard to replicate that virtually. Yeah, it would but be hard to do virtually. It would be a phone call. It would be uh, you know, it, it's just the, the situation may not have presented itself to be able to do that in, in an informal way. Uh, if, if we weren't in the same place, but you know, I, I agree with Connor. I've actually been really uh, positively surprised with how, while we've been able to keep business moving forward virtually uh, in places where we would have otherwise, uh, you know, wanted to have certain needs in person. I agree with them a hundred percent. As soon as it's safe, I uh, can't wait until we can get back to meeting people in person. I, I really think that it's extremely important in building relationships and um, you know, uh, in the long-term scheme of things, um, you know, continuing a productive business, relationship. But uh, as a short term bandaid, hopefully, uh, I think uh, we've all done a pretty good job of figuring out how to pivot and get done what we need to get done virtually. Awesome. You all identified Frederick. What you know, you said you identified it a while ago. You know, what did you like about Frederick? Yeah, I think the uh Incomes are very much within the profile of what we're uh, what we're looking for. Um, so generally, when we are looking for uh, uh, looking for spaces and looking for markets for us to initially expand into, if we see a uh, a three mile population of more than 60,000 people, that generally starts getting in the range of what we're looking for as a as a market. I like the dent. I like the fact that uh, it's it's a year round population, so we don't have to worry about any sort of fluctuations there uh, from a se from seasonal um, from the seasonal side. And also, what I like is Generally, the uh, there's still growth going on. Uh, we like having uh, new people coming into the market because ultimately we are a late comer to many uh, to many markets. So having the growth, uh, having growth picture, having new people coming into the area to want to be able to give us a uh, give us a try also allows us to have additional uh, future uh, future customers um, as well as we're getting more of that uh, getting more of the market share as we as we grow. And then you mentioned there were only a couple of sites in in Frederick. You knew, did you know about this site before Adam presented it to you? 
I did. Yeah, I do. I knew it from the, the previous, uh, the previous ownership, but uh, the discussion had always been when we had it was that, uh, you know, Kmart wasn't looking to downsize. They were going to be staying in there for as long as they, uh, for as long as they could. So they said, you know, check back at some other, uh, check back at some other date. Um, but uh, you know, some other date happened, uh, but just yeah. <laughs> with a, uh, with a, with a different, uh, with a different ownership. Um, so uh, yeah, but we, it was definitely one of those ones where we, you know, when we're looking at it, we, we have our real estate managers who are going out to the markets sequentially going through the market saying, Hey, these are the, these are the A targets. These are the ones we need to follow, um, follow up on and continue to follow up on over, over the course of several years, uh, as I'm sure you guys do on, on your side, when you're looking for, uh, those opportunities, you know, we sure. take a very meticulous approach to, uh, just trying to roll out within the, uh, within the market and are willing to wait for times to make sure that things are, you know, we have the a site set up the way we want, uh, the one that's going to be convenient to the customers the ones that is going to be operationally convenient for our staff um, to be able to work out of. Um, so we're willing to, uh, we're willing to wait for those opportunities, which is why you know, it took a while for us, you know, six, six years in one of the initial markets that we had, uh, had uh, been looking to actually find the store that uh, you know, we want to be our uh, quote forever home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Adam, and you, know, you mentioned some of it earlier, you know, when you were, when we were buying this and you were looking at merchandising it, you know, why did Lidl come to mind for you? I, I think it's important to, I guess, take a step back a little bit on and, and explain to the listeners what uh, about the market, where in Frederick they are, they are uh, under construction. So the shopping center is on West Patrick Street and uh, on a stretch that is called the Golden Mile. Uh, the uh, This trade area was uh, long ago anchored by a large regional mall. Uh, where DLC actually had some history. We had worked uh, a few years back to uh, try to redevelop that mall that ultimately didn't come to fruition. Uh, and uh, this was sort of our second uh, opportunity to uh, invest in this part of Frederick. This is a, a part of Frederick that we've always believed had a lot of really strong fundamentals, uh, but is limited in uh, space availability. And uh, frankly, there hasn't been any new new attractive product that has come on the market uh, in, uh, I think, over 20 years. So um, the center that we purchased, Frederick County Square, uh, we believe is the, the best position in this trade area. It's right off the uh, interchange to get onto West Patrick Street. Um, great visibility, great access, uh, great accessibility from uh, a lot of local and uh, regional customers. So um, to, as to you know, why Lidl, uh, again, I think that, that having a grocer in the center was always a priority to us. Um, we just think having a, a, you know, uh, someone that's going to drive daily traffic into the center and, and I think I mentioned before, you know, make this a part of their daily routine uh, was certainly something that was a priority. Um, and given the fact that there just hadn't been any new exciting uh, development or redevelopment in this corridor for quite some time, you know, what better way than a new to market grocer uh, that uh, we could introduce to the community of Frederick and, you know, really inject uh, some newness and excitement into this area. As part of it, we're, we are in the process of redoing the facade, you know, totally upgrading the look of the shopping center. And I think the combination of the aesthetics and an exciting new user is really going to liven not only just our center, but uh, really bring a new energy to the Golden Mile and the West Side of Frederick. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, it's been 
lollipops and rainbows the for the, the whole time we've been talking about this. Let's talk about and, and, and maybe we'll get different views. What do you guys, as you guys were working through this, what was the biggest challenge that you guys faced? Adam, you can go ahead first. I'll let you uh, <laughs> talk about the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the biggest challenge was the fact that when we started talking, we didn't actually have a space to lease them. Uh, it was a really sort of unique scenario where we had conviction that uh, we were going to eventually uh, have control of the space back, but we really didn't know when. And we we also recognized that Lidl wanted to be in the market and and we really wanted to have them. And it was a, a tricky balance to, um, you know, be able to provide them with commitments of, you know, when and how we're going to be able to deliver the space, uh, you know, without entirely knowing it at first. Ultimately, um, I think it, it all sort of came together a lot faster even than, we had anticipated or we had uh, told them that we thought it was going to come together. But uh, that, that was certainly uh, the most challenging part of this deal was sort of balancing those two sides, having a tenant that was that we wanted, that was you know, ready, willing and able to, to do something and having a space that we knew that we were going to get back over a, a near term uh, time horizon. But uh, it was not clear at first when that was going to be. So under promise and over deliver, uh, that, that's a good, that's a good one there. And how did you resolve that with the uncertainty? How did you guys resolve that even though there was uncertainty? Cause I, I think it's important for the listeners given I clear, there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace right now and in, in not just real estate or retail and everything. So how do you resolve that uncertainty there? I think we, you know, I think being upfront at first as to where everything currently stood, uh, but also sharing uh, our view on on sort of how we thought it was going to play out, um, I think was was really important. But I think to some extent, it was, it, it you know, we both had to get comfortable with uh, operating under some level of of chaos, if you will. Um, we had to have sort of some shared faith that, okay, we're going to work this out. We may not know exactly how it's going to work just yet, but let's work on it. I think there are some um, groups that we work with that, that wouldn't be able to have that sort of creativity and vision. Um, but I think Lidl got it. Uh, Connor got it. Kevin uh, uh, and Connor seen who I also worked on this. He got it. And um, we just kind of put our heads down and kept moving forward. Uh, and, and the rest ended up working itself out. So if I unpack that, the, the you know, in dealing with uncertainty and in this transaction, it's transparency, being open and honest. It's trust, being able to, you know, trust each other that you guys are working to the same goal. And then just having a strategy and a plan, even though, it you know, there's some uncertainty around it, the plan that you're both working toward. Um, I don't know if you have a different challenge that that that. I, I know the deal. I think that's a, probably one of the bigger challenges, but it is no getting a, it's always when, when we're trying to go through our internal processes to, to get, a, to get a site approved. The first, you know, first question is always are generally Connor, when is the store going to open? Connor, how much is the store going to uh, going to cost? We felt good about the one side of uh, how much it, how much did it cost? Uh, but the, uh, the opening one was definitely the, the, the difficulty with getting uh, with getting a site, uh, with getting a site uh, approved on um, these for us, you know, we're building out a, a pipeline of stores over the next, you know, the next you know, many, many years and be able to try to slot it in this, uh, the correct spot. 
it's difficult. Um, but at the same time, what I appreciate from the from from your side, and what I would encourage many landlords to do is be honest about the issues with the site. It's way easier, and I think from from our at least internally from from our side, we're willing to work with the uh, work with the landlords if we're given given all the information, and we can you can work within a lease contract to be able to say, hey, you know, here's your outside uh, delivery date, and if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, and we're you know we're not offended on that because we you know, we expect our our partners to work as hard as they work as hard as they can for uh, for an opportunity to get us there. Because I think we provide as you know we provide a lot of value to the uh, to the landlord. But there are certain times where things don't uh, don't work out. But you should you know should work hard on it. And then internally, we can still make those same decisions with how we try to sequence the store, how much money we actually want to spend prior to getting a hundred percent certainty uh, that the, uh, that the tenants, uh, the tenant is going to leave or not. Um, but I think that, uh, having it be an open line of communication is important. Um, because you know, it, you know, it, as with anyone, you know, you don't want to just look dumb, frankly, uh, and, and, you know, and having those, uh, and being able to have those honest discussions say, look, Connor, this might work, this might not work, but I feel very strong. I know here where our conversations are as much as you can. And because we also understand there are plenty of times where NDAs are signed when you're working with retailers. So you can't give the full, the full picture. Um, but I think that type of uh, communication to me is, uh, is, is super important because it does help moving on to the next deal so that you, you've seen these guys, you know, I've seen DLC deliver on their, on their promises. So it, I think it you know, very much helps to get over the hurdles for, for future, uh, future transactions as well. And the other part for us too is also just, you know, getting a layout that still works, works for us. I think the, the space itself is, you know, Kmart boxes are, are interesting, you know, not, none of, they're not all the, not all the same. Their loading situations tend to be different because we've looked at several different, uh, these kind of second, uh, second generation spaces and making sure and trying to find a way to make sure that we have our own dedicated loading area and be able to make sure that from an efficiency standpoint within, uh, for our store operations team, they can continue working on that side. That's also something we had to work with uh, Adam because it's a little bit abnormal. We have a bit of a, a more of a corridor uh, than we would expect in a traditional uh, in our traditional lease uh, inline lease spaces. But that's where it gets to you know, working through. Hey, you know, it doesn't make sense to create a, a new loading dock for us. Timing costs, et cetera. No, no reason to no reason to do that. But we need to you know we need to create this extension. We need to have our own uh, protected areas so that we don't run the risk of having you know, other. Uh, future employees from another uh, another place coming into our stores. You know, th- those are the other kind of more fine fine details that uh, you know, get uh, get hammered out that can help everyone else afterwards to have the defined rules of okay, this is where things need to need to go. I think having those uh, conversations earlier were the other you know, real hurdles to get through. Otherwise, yeah, it was a very straightforward from uh, from there, which we which we like. I actually, if, if I can, there you know another. I'll call it challenge, but I actually one of my favorite parts of this story on how this deal came together. And, and maybe Connor can add some, uh, a little bit of what happened on his side with this, because I, I don't know that part of it. But uh, at some point, I assume some meeting happened on, on Lidl's side, and it was recognized that, okay, this deal is close enough. Uh, we think we can bring it into this fiscal year. Uh, and I, I got a call, I want to say it was on a Monday, uh, that, uh, you know, hey, this, our fiscal year ends on Friday. Uh, Let's get this lease done by Friday. And, you know, while we are all about moving quickly, um, you know, this was a lease that was pretty far along, but certainly not at a point where anyone would have said uh, that morning, yep, we should be done by this Friday. <laughs> but we said, okay, it's important to you. And at first, I brought it back internally, spoke with, with you, Chris, spoke with our legal team, spoke with our construction team, spoke with our asset manager, uh, asset management team. And uh, the initial reaction was, uh, okay, yeah, let's... Uh, 
you know, at first there was some skepticism, but we said, yeah, let's, let's, let's try. And it was incredible how, uh, between Monday and Friday, and mind you, I was away at a conference, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of that week in an ICSC conference in Nashville. And, uh, despite that, we, we did it. We, within a five day period of time, uh, were able to rally everyone internally on both sides. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was really incredible. It was, uh, if you understood where we were on Monday, when we had that initial conversation and how, how much we needed to still get done to be able to, to really get it across the finish line, uh, it, it was incredible. And, and I, you know, I mean, within our team, I know within uh, Alito's group, there were many, many people who uh, had to sort of drop everything that they were working on and, and uh, you know, uh, stay up late into the night in some cases to pull it together. But it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a team, uh, you know, it is, it is a team, uh, team effort uh, for sure. We, we love, you know, for us, we, we like getting, uh, we like getting deals done. I think it was a situation where we're in a position to, finish, finish off and have a really strong year for us from an, from an expansion side. And this was a, uh, a deal that, you know, we felt would be really great, um, add to the, uh, you know, add to the field of internal reports. Hey, this is another one that we got some really, really strong sites. So it was definitely a, a big push on, on that side. And we have, uh, we do have a fiscal year end date that we, we try to get the, try to get the deals done. And, uh, as long as they're intelligent ones for us. And, uh, this is one that was definitely willing, we're willing to fight to, to get there. Uh, and it was, yeah, it, it is, a, it, is, it was absolutely a, a big group, uh, big group effort. Uh, and you need buy-in from buy-ins from both, uh, from both sides. Uh, and that is a, not always, not always easy, um, but, but always, uh, always appreciated on, uh, on our side. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a great end to that story, guys. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, and excited to do more with you guys at Lidl, Connor. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on and sharing that, uh, both you guys. Uh, I know, Adam, this is your first time on as well. So thanks for coming on. Uh, the, last part, the last part of our show, guys, is retail wisdom. So I have three questions for both you guys. Um, we'll go with Adam, then Connor on each one. So, Adam, what is your best piece of commercial real estate advice for everyone out there? You know, I'll tailor this to the, 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 you know, shopping center leasing people out there. And, and I, I think the biggest advice I would say is uh, ask a lot of questions, listen, and then pivot. I think there is a, uh, you know, a, a, an instinct sometimes, especially with uh, newer leasing people to just, you know, they get in front of a, a prospect and they just want to sell, sell, sell. And um, you know, one of the things I've learned in my career is every single prospect is different. It is so important to understand the businesses, the priorities, um, the background behind uh, what is going on within any given organization. So I, I would say the advice would be uh, ask a lot of questions, listen and react. Great advice. Connor. Yeah, I'll take it from the uh, from the from the internal re- retailer side. Um, I think. You need to learn. You need to be willing to learn. I think there are so many people out there who are uh, experts in their own specific thing. Whether our real estate managers is expert at getting getting deals done, our construction managers are excellent at getting construction done. The people who I think are most successful are the ones who are willing to bridge that uh, bridge the gap between there. It does not mean your reta- your real estate manager needs to be an expert on construction, but I want and I always push our guys to be able to learn more about those roles because then you can start helping them and helping each other 
to be able to bridge the uh, to be able to bridge the gaps and ultimately save money. Uh, for us, I, I joke about it, it's almost like we have an internal coordination fee for all the time wasted between when the two groups aren't uh, aren't talking to each other or when the construction manager is not talking to the architect. If you're willing to understand, you know, going back to more Adam's comment, willing to understand what the your other party is looking for, you can save yourself so much time and so much money and so many headaches um, by by willing to get a bit outside of your comfort zone. Definitely master your role, but also understand how do you how do you live within that uh, retail ecosystem, and you can make yourself you know a significant asset to your organization. Wow, that's great advice too, man. Thank you for sharing that. Question two. Adam, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Uh, I would say uh, Galleons Sporting Goods. Um, not sure if either of you are familiar with them, uh, but uh, a, a chain. Actually, they had, I think, one location here in, in Maryland. It was one of my first jobs I ever had uh, when I was in high school. I used to sell skis there, but it was uh, eventually purchased by Dex Sporting Goods. Uh, but Galleons was, uh, it was just a pretty magical store as a, uh, kid and a teenager, you could go and climb the, the climbing wall. Um, it was, I, I could spend all day in that store. It was, it was pretty neat. Wow. I, I know the store, no one's ever said it. So, uh, I appreciate the insights Galleons. Connor. Unfortunately, my answer is not going to be that uh, unique. Now that we've gone the sporting, uh, sporting goods route, uh, mine was going to be sports authority. Uh, I think uh, I am someone who was never particularly, uh, particularly good at sports, but I always thought if you look, if you look good, you play good. Um, so <laughs> I think that, uh, the, the amount of time that I, that I spent in there looking at you know, the newest, uh, newest baseball glove, newest bat, any of the, any of the sporting stuff that to me was always a treasure trove, uh, in there. Uh, and I absolutely love that. Uh, everyone knows the sports authority story, uh, the story, but, uh, to me, it was always a great, uh, great spot to, to go to when I was younger. Do you know the Deion Sanders quote? Yes. <laughs> and for those who don't, it's you, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you play good, they pay good. So, <laughs> so I always found that humorous. Um, all right. Last question. We'll start with you, Adam. I, you know, I got uh, some new grass coming in and, you know, spent some time on Home Depot and I am looking at the ion electric cordless string trimmer and edger made by Ryobi 18 volt. What does that retail for on Home Depot's website? String trimmer and edger Ryobi cord cordless electric uh, chargeable. You got it. Gonna go two ninety nine. Wow, it is sixty nine ninety seven. But thank you for playing. Oh wow, way up! <laughs> I don't do enough shopping. <laughs> and Connor, I am on Home Depot's website, and I am looking at the John Deere E one twenty forty two inch twenty horsepower twin gas. Hydrostatic lawn tractor. What does this lawn mower retail for? Never, never purchased in that one. I will go with, uh, let's go $700. 1899 But thank you for playing, guys. <laughs> well, guys, this has been great. I'm conscious of time. Thanks so much. Uh, great story. And um, this was really cool. 
So thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Fun. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.